You're listening to Kindling Conversation with Siobhan Hunt, part of Kindling Kids Radio. Mother craft nurse Chris Minogue is in the studio. She has over 30 years experience helping families with their babies and children. We get Chris on the show to help you with whatever you're dealing with at this particular time. It might be with one baby or two, or it might be with a toddler. Um, Chris isn't a doctor. Her advice, though, is based on about 30 years of experience helping families in all kinds of situations. And um, so if you have any questions that you think are medical in nature, please make sure you see your GP. Follow the guidelines when it comes to safe sleeping practices. You'll find them on the SIDS website. Chris, good morning. Good afternoon. Where are we? It's Monday. <laughs> good morning. Get back in my head. How are you? Good, thanks. Um, so we're live on air now. We're also on Facebook that gives you lots of opportunities to ask Chris your questions. If you are watching us on Facebook Live now, please pop your comments below the video and we will answer them. I'll try to get to as many as we can. Chris, today we're going to start with Natalie. She has a phone. She has a question and she's on the phone um, and it's about co-sleeping. Hi, Natalie. How are you? I'm well, thank you. How are you? Good, thanks. Tell Chris about what's going on. I have two kids. Yes. Um, this is in regards to child number two, yes. um, the, who is three, a boy, three yep. years, three months. Yeah. Um, I've always been anti-co-sleeping. Yeah. Um, this is child number two, uh, pretty good sleeper in his cot until he's about probably two-ish. Yeah. Um, and I just got, I was just so exhausted that next thing is, you know, in, in the, the middle of the night, he'd come into bed. And then the next night, and then, you know, it's cold, and it's, yeah. like, oh, it's just too hard to deal with. And I don't want my, uh, she's six now, my daughter to wake up, or my husband who's got, you know, a high-pressure job to wake up. So nearly nearly a year later, he happily <laughs> sleeps between us in our king-size bed. And he refers Go to sleeping. Our, yeah, but he just refers to his, our bed as his bed. <laughs> yes. So he goes, we put him to bed in our bed um, at 7 o'clock, and he has a great sleep. And nobody um, else does. No, we're so, we're so used to it, but we're so over it. We're absolutely over it. We've just done up another room for him. Um, it, the bed is nearly ready for him to move into. And I Perfect. thought just before we move him into his new room, because the cot's gone, yep. and he hasn't slept in the cot for ages, let's yeah, face yeah, it, um, I just get some <laughs> advice. And the other thing I'd just like to add, he's a, he's a kid um, that, he will, if occasionally, if he gets really, 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 really upset, he'll really, he really will, cry. He will stop breathing and he'll faint. Oh, your whole breath. He's breath a holder. He's a oh, breath holder. And I've okay. been to the paediatrician about it and she's not too No, they grow out concerned. of it. But um, I don't want him to hold it. If I have to, you know, leave him in the room, yeah. I don't want him to fall over and hit his head on the corner of the bed. Do you know no, what I mean? No, and I also, I don't think we have to put him in that situation. If we take a few weeks, we can just move him in there. So okay, what the first I do, thing please? I do is take his cot mattress and put it on the floor next oh, to your it's bed. Old. It's gone. It's oh, okay. Have you got any other mattress? Oh no, no. When does his no. bed come? It's here. Take the mattress off the bed and put it in your room. Okay. And the first thing we're going to do, and and this is my whole idea about the three-year-old, you don't spring anything upon them. You got to tell them. So okay. what you need to do is first we have to have the plan and then we need to implement the plan so that okay. he's now used to being in the middle of you two. You know, mm. it's his bed. So what we're mm. going to do is put a mattress on the floor next to his bed and okay. give him comfort on the floor. So we're going to tell him 
we've got some new rules and I've got this special sheet that I'm going to put on the mattress, which could be, you know, the superhero's sheet or the car sheet or whatever the thing is that he likes. Yeah. And we're going to sleep on this bed. And really what you're going to do is put into place the rules about sleeping in his room, but you're doing it in your room, which he feels secure in. Okay. Okay. So we're going to, when you put him to bed at night, do you read him a story, give him a cuddle and talk about the day? That sort of Yes, thing? we do that. I do that with both children in our bed. Okay. And I shoot, yeah, I shoot her off. She goes off and he, and he stays gets there, comfy like and goes mm. to sleep. So That's what right. we're going to do now is that she goes into her room and now he goes onto the floor. Okay. okay. In his cosy bed, he's got his little blanket or his doona and his puppy dog or whatever the things are that he needs, and it's on his bed. Okay. And by having it on his bed, he's still got that reassurance. When he gets up naturally in the middle of the night to find you, now this is the biggest mm. problem. He's used to the physical contact between you. Absolutely. Yeah. So when he gets up to find you, what you have to do is not get into his bed, not get into the bed, but take him back to the bed, give him a pat, a cuddle, maybe even put your hand on his shoulder and you've got to sit there for a few minutes and then walk away. Okay. So I would give yourself three or four days of making changes. Okay. okay. Not one day and then the next day he's in his bedroom. Just slow it down, give him the reassurance. But funny enough, it's the same reassurance we're going to give him when he's in his big bed. Okay. So once you get comfortable with that process and he's sleeping a little bit better because he's in your room and he's got that security, then we're going to say to him, okay, it's now time to go into your room. Mummy's going to leave your door open and my door open. And if you come into mummy's room, I will bring you back and put you back into bed. I'll sit there, put my hand on you for a few minutes, and then I'll go back to my bed. You actually have to say you're going to go back to your bed because it's a bit unfair to sit there and let him fall asleep in his bed, and then you you disappear, and then when he wakes up, he doesn't know where you are because you've been mm. there now for a year. So I mm. think you have to say to him, Mummy's going to go back to her bed, and then if he gets up the next time, Daddy walks him back into the bed, sits on the end of the bed, puts your hand on him, and then you walk back to your bed. It's going to take a little bit of time, but I suspect it will work. you just got to give it time and patience. Does he have a sleep in the day? Um, he goes to childcare a couple of days a week. Uh, he does have a 40-minute sleep, yes. Yeah. But and if I, he's at home, he doesn't. Okay, so let's, let's over that time when he goes into his big bed, you know, in his room, let's take away all the sleep in the day altogether because he's getting some refreshing sleep on some days and not on other mm. days. So okay. I think if we can level it out for him, he's going to be tired enough at the end of the day to accept the behaviour you put into place. So go okay. slowly, go gently and mimic the behaviour in the security of your room and then it should transfer through to his room. And good Great. luck, Natalie. Yeah, good luck. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> call, call us back. Yeah, call <laughs> us if you need more help. That was Natalie. Um, thank you for that, Chris. Thanks for your question, Natalie. Our next one comes from Shell, and I think I understand this one, although I don't have twins. Shell, thanks for your question. It's first day back to school today. Yay! Yay. <laughs> There's parents everywhere. In, well, at least in New South Wales saying yeah. that. Um, we're going through some separation anxiety for one of my twin, twins getting on the school bus. Aww. Many tears, but happy when he gets there. How can I make the transition easier? So that the really good thing about this shell is that once he gets there, he's fine. So it's that separating. He's had a lovely three weeks or two weeks with you, and now he has to hop back on that bus with his brother or sister. 
Um, and I think this is just going to be a little bit of time. So maybe even getting to the bus stop a little bit earlier and just being with him for a little bit before that bus turns up. If he's been rushed to the bus stop and then I'm on the bus and then the bus is going, I haven't had enough time to separate. So I talk to him on the way to the bus. We're going to the bus. Um, you're going off to school. Mummy will be back here to meet the bus. You're going to tell me about your day. Have a bit of an idea of what might be happening in his day or who he might be playing with. Just saying to him, you know, Tom's going to be at school when you get there and you're going to play handball today. And then I will be here when you get back. So I would just go slowly with this for this first week um, and not rush him. And he should be able to start to manage it as it feels more and more familiar to If it's any comfort, Shell, I had the same thing happen with Darcy today. Well, she didn't want me to even leave the house, so my husband dropped her off. But what I said, I actually asked her what she, she said she didn't want to go to school. I actually asked her what it was she didn't like about school. And bless her little heart, she said it was because I wasn't there. Yeah, yeah. Nothing wrong with school. No. No. So I actually said to her, look, when you come home, um, I'll make sure we'll just have mummy and Darcy time. We'll do some colouring in. We'll chill out together. And, um, yeah, I mean, talking to your kids, who knew? It would result, you know, yield results. So that worked for me and and actually just asking what it was that she... It's always separation. So Mm. it's it's not... I mean, she's been at home and had a lovely time. I know. Why do you want to go back to school? (laughs) It's not fair. Um, Let's move on. Megan, this one's a little bit bit of a tricky one. They're all tricky. Um, Megan says, my five-year-old son is autistic and his sister has started copying some of his behaviours that worry me. She started to mimic him by becoming non-verbal when upset, lashing out by hitting, kicking, punching, etc. Both of them will have time out when they do this, but his are during a meltdown whilst hers seem to be due to not understanding or throwing a tantrum. We haven't taken her to see a a paediatrician yet as we have just had her brother diagnosed and she is missing some of the key social engagement criteria. When I am trying to help calm or talk to my son, she will push through and try to cuddle or push him off me. There is also a problem with the two arguing arguing about me being their mother. For example, they one the son or the daughter will say, she is my mummy, and she mum will say, I'm both your mummy. And then son or daughter will say, no, she's my mummy. I'll usually have to show baby picture of both of them for the <laughs> argument to stop for a couple of days. Please help. Oh, Megan, you're doing well. You're doing really well. So I think you've hit the nail on the head, though. You've got a three-year-old who, you know, three-year-olds are the centre of their own little world. And she sees this behaviour from her brother but has not got the understanding to understand autism and where that fits in a family. So um, she's mimicking, which is expected. I think the difficulty here is she doesn't have enough cognitive behaviour to understand the difference and she's reacting normally as a three-year-old. So it is. this is a very difficult one. But you've actually answered it in at least that you're consistent in your behaviour. If it's during a meltdown and she's mimicking that behaviour, but socially she's doing really well, then we know that she's only mimicking you know, as opposed to autistic yeah. traits. Yeah. And I think you deal with those exactly the same way. So if her behaviour warrants you to do a bit of time out and then do some reassurance over that, I would just be consistent um, with where you're at in your discipline as a three-year-old. The only thing I would say about this is you may need to speak to a a specialist um, uh, counsellor about 
how to blend the needs of an autistic child with the family, uh, you know, the rest of the family. And you'll need someone who actually deals with autistic children, I think, to give you those answers. But a lot of what she's doing is what we would think she would do. She's mimicking the behaviour around her to get attention. You're giving reasonable discipline, a little bit of time out, and, and, and you're trying to navigate these two children. And I think this is bigger than a couple of behaviour things. You might need to speak to someone to give you extra skills to manage this particular problem. Yeah, good luck, Megan. Thanks yeah. for writing in and asking your question. Uh, we have one from Raylene. How much food to give a 30-month-old? Should a 30-month-old be having snacks and how many per day? She's still on two naps, sleeping through mostly, and on three breastfeeds and three meals. She's doing really well. So the whole snacking thing, um, usually a child doesn't need a, well, Usually a child who's eating well can handle snacks, but if they're not eating well, then usually they don't need snacks. I hope that makes sense. So if you have a child who's very fussy with breakfast, lunch and dinner, but eats amazingly for snacks, then obviously decreasing or limiting the snacks will increase their ability to eat breakfast, lunch and dinner. So um, this 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 whole snacking um, phenomenon, we often see parents snacking to stop children from whinging, to keep them still. So it's not a meal, it's, it's a fix-it. So in terms of how much he should eat, he eats, oh, he, a 13-month-old can eat a lot, I have to say. So they can eat, um, usually I say that they can eat almost a palm full of food, okay, so if he's eating that quite well for you and he's happy and he's content and he's having a bit of fruit for his snacks, then that's fine. But if you're having difficulty with breakfast, lunch and dinner, then you should decrease or stop your snacks to increase his ability to eat those meals and the variety that he needs to eat within those meals. So I hope that answers the question. So a good handful of food or a good palmful of food and decrease your snacks or get rid of your snacks if breakfast, lunch and dinner is a problem. What is your um, go-to food for snacks, Chris, at this age? Uh, usually I try and keep it really basic down to fruit. Um, and sometimes even, uh, you know, as a treat is some little water crackers and some cheese on it. So they quite like, you know, the texture of the water cracker and the cheese. But it's not a meal. So I don't give them yogurt. And I don't give them much. Like at 13 months, I'd probably give two or three strawberries cut in half would be a snack. Okay. Not, not a squeezy pouch of fruit. Yeah. So, it, you know, it's, it's only quite literally a snack. Brilliant. Yeah. We don't know what that means anymore in no, the West. We <laughs> well, I don't. When I snack, I eat way more than that. Yeah. Uh, you're listening to Kindling Helpline with Mothercraft Nurse Chris Minogue. We are live on air, but also live on Facebook. So if you're watching us on Facebook, please pop your questions underneath the video. We go to about 12.30 Eastern Standard Time. So that gives us about 15 more minutes to answer questions and we will get to as many as we can. Of course, if you're listening on air, you can call us on one 800 Kids Radio. Our next question, Chris, comes from Josie. Yep. My 17-month-old has lost the knack of self-settling. Usually she goes down day and night without a fuss, but a few times recently she's cried until I help her to sleep. 
I've tried letting her cry, going in to reassure every 10 minutes, but she keeps going. She's standing when I enter the room, then lies, lies down instantly. Sometimes she needs a firm hand on her back, but other times I can just stand there. I can't leave until she's in a deep sleep, otherwise she'll cry again. A few more facts. We got back from Europe 14 days ago. She seems to be over jet lag, but we've been a bit inconsistent yep. while helping her get back onto Sydney time. I've had success with sleep training in the past, but she was much younger. Now she seems so much more resistant. Should I persist or is there a different technique for her age? Josie, you're doing brilliantly. You are doing (laughs) the right thing. So one, she's much older, so it takes her much longer. She has a lot more energy, so she can do it for a lot longer. But in essence, you're doing the right thing. You've moved her back into her normal daytime routine. You're helping her to self-settle at night and when she wakes up. And I think in this case... Um, and that the game they play where you put your hand on them and then as soon as you move it, they lift their head up. Um, that hand on her is, is sort of becoming her security. So she's very smart. When you open the door, she knows she has to lay down. So that's a really good step. You're halfway there. And then what I would do is put your hand on her and then take your hand away, and, but stand by the cot. So she's needing less and less of you physically there. And when she pops her head up, you just say, put your head down. It's time for sleep. Hand on only for a little bit and then take your hand off and stand beside the cot. And I think it will resolve itself. I think it's been muddled up in the jet lag. And and now you've just got to spend a little bit of time um, unwinding it. And also, you know, when you put her down, you can give her a few minutes to see if she will try it herself and self-settle. And if not, go back and keep the consistency in what you're doing and you'll be fine. Good luck, Josie. Right. Nice to know you're on the right you're track. You're on the right track. <laughs> we have a question from Shirley. She says, I have a three-year-old who, who likes to take food without asking, but majority of time he eats all his food, but won't stop eating what uh, but won't stop eating. What do I do as he's not just eating his portion, but also three other portions as well? So the biggest question here is how did he get the three other portions? So, you know, <laughs> exactly. we have to regulate our behaviour around them as well. If he's eating reasonable, what was he? Three, wasn't three, he? Three, yeah. So I know a three-year-old can be difficult and jump up and down, but one you've got to look at is what you're giving him a reasonable portion. So if it's reasonable for his age... Uh, you're also teaching them about the values around eating. So we sit down or we don't sit down. Um, we sit down to eat our meals. You might you might ask them to stay a little bit longer. So first, is it a reasonable amount? The second thing is he can't get more food unless somebody gives it to him. Um, so you need to you need to think about maybe distracting him if you feel he's had a reasonable meal. And and he, he he's the one who could have breakfast, a snack, but a small snack, lunch, small snack, and then dinner. But I think this is about regulating and teaching him to regulate, not how much he's eating. So somebody had to give him the three portions, um, and and so we have to look at. I think that he just in works itself. out how to take it. And Shirley, my son does the same thing. He just goes to the fridge and I'll, I'll, get, I'll walk into the kitchen and he's standing there at the open fridge. Put and a I'm lock like, on the fridge and tell really? him not to open the fridge. No. So it's about, <laughs> but he's, he can't take three portions from there. In the fridge, he's only taking you something. Should. You should. <laughs> my son can take a bit more than one portion. <laughs> I mean, he's not eating it. I see that the yeah. problem there, but I, yeah, I yeah. do understand how a three-year-old can just 
take, take food. food without you. But that's that's a that's a discipline that you have to teach them. Yeah. Yeah. Good luck with that, yeah. Shirley. Yeah. <laughs> so what I <laughs> where mean are these is, locks? Where do we get these locks for the fridge from? Those those locks you can get the ones that go around yeah around the corner. And you put it on the higher part of the fridge. I reckon that's something to look into, Shirley, because my son... But the other son... one is if you see him with the fridge, mm. you know, and it's not reasonable for mm. him to have the meal, then it's easy to say, look, it's not the time to eat. We're not eating now. You need to put it back in the fridge. So that's about teaching him all those types of things. It doesn't mean he has to be yelled at and shouted at and not get a meal. It just is about reasonable behaviour, isn't it? Mm. You know, so it's not reasonable... Now and I'm going know, to I feed think... you at five o'clock and it's 4.30. And I think three was also an age for me, both with my daughter and yeah. my son, where you, where you, all of a sudden you're like, oh, actually, I really do have to discipline you. Yeah, I know it yeah, sounds silly, yeah, but that's, that's right. where There's, they start. They're not a little person anymore. They're a bit bigger. Yeah. Oh, Shirley says that locks don't work. Oh, Shirley, you've got higher. a smart son. <laughs> Put it up higher, Shirley. <laughs> but yeah. uh, otherwise you have to be wary of him and watch him and just give him reasonable explanation. It's not time for dinner. We're putting, you know that that's going to lead into a tantrum. As soon as you say no and don't, it's going to lead into a yes, tantrum. Yes, I do. But you need to work out. And also it may not be you. It might be others around you allowing him to do that behaviour. Mm. That's the other thing. Family meal. I mean, family meal. Family, <laughs> family plan. Members. Family family planning strategy. <laughs> That's a different talk. Yes. Family planning strategy. Well, <laughs> yeah, you probably don't want another one after a three-year-old who breaks into your fridge all the time. So, um, yeah, look at it in the big picture. It's not just about what he's eating. It's about, you know, what we're also teaching him. So if it's about discipline in this yep. instance, yeah. for Shirley, let's just say the lock hasn't worked yeah, and yeah. all the rest of that, um, would you suggest that um, – Doing, I mean, the timeout seems severe for that. But well, it is a bit severe for that. So mm. what I would do is make sure that I fed him exactly at the same time every day, so he knew that food was coming. Right. Know, okay. So that that's important. Yep. And that sounds like it's happening because he's eating eating lots. Um, and then if he was at the fridge, like you know, Arlo mm. standing at the fridge with the door yes. open, I just literally go up to them and say, you know, it's not time to eat. We can we can have this later. You need to come away from the fridge. And if that then goes into a meltdown, you're actually disciplining the meltdown, not mm-hmm. the action of going to the fridge. Right. You've given the explanation about the fridge. Now, if he has a meltdown, you've got to let him have the meltdown. When he calms down, you say, okay, let's come over here and play with the Lego. So use distract, distract him into Lego. Suddenly we've forgotten about the food, but make sure you're on time with giving him his meals. Okay. Don't. He might be a child, you know, he could be having dinner at six o'clock where he might need to have dinner at five o'clock. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Well, I hope that helps, Shirley. Yeah. I feel your pain. Yeah. Um, the next question <laughs> comes from Rhiannon. We are um, coming close to time. So just to let you know, we'll get through as many as we can before the half hour They're is up. They're all three-year-olds. Yeah. It's the three-year-old it's day. It's that time. Okay. So toilet training a three-year-old. What yes. is your best advice for toilet training? My daughter is three next month and still in nappies. What are some ways to encourage her to use the toilet? Ah, so this one. So what I usually do is toilet time before I toilet train. So we Remember, she doesn't really know what her body's doing. So this week, what I would do is maybe before you bath her, I would get the soft toilet insert that you put onto the toilet and a step so she's nice and comfortable. And while you're running the bath, I'd sit her on the toilet. And if she did a wee, we'd clap our hands and tell her she's a good girl. And if she doesn't, we'll just say, we'll try again tomorrow. So you might do that for about a week. And what you're looking for is, does she do a wee? 
Then after that, I increase the number of times that I bring them to the toilet. So this is also about language. So that next week, I'd say to her, just before you go out, like mid-morning, when you come home at lunchtime, maybe mid-afternoon and when she has a bath, I'd just say to her, let's sit on the toilet before we go to the park. Let's sit on the toilet before we have lunch. So it's the language. And what you're looking for in that week is that she maybe does a few more wheeze in the toilet. The next week is toilet training. So she gets up bright and early in the morning, no doubt. Everyone does, bright and early in the morning. We take her nappy off and we put a little pair of underpants on and a T-shirt. And we leave the bathroom door open with our toilet seat. But you change the language and you say, tell mummy when you need to go to the toilet. So we're getting her to initiate going to the toilet. Now, obviously, on the first day or so, she's going to have some accidents, but that helps her realise that actually the distance between the playroom and the toilet is a little bit further. So on that week, you just give her gentle reminders. We're going down the park. Will you, do you want to go to the toilet? And if she says no, you have to trust her. And you go, okay, but meanwhile, in your bag, there's a whole set of change of clothes Um, And you go to the park and if she says, I need to go to the toilet, mummy, then you need to go where she's safe to go to the toilet and take her to the toilet. So um, it usually works. Girls are extremely good at it. So give her the boundaries, um, make sure everything's available for her and you'll find that it will work really, really well. Good luck, Rhiannon. It's always so exciting when they stop yeah. using nappies. Yeah, she might wear a night nappy for a while, but yeah. in the day she should be fine. Yeah, excellent. Well, our last question today, um, thank you everyone for writing in and, and calling and sending in your questions. Apologies if we didn't get to you today. The last one is um, from Janie. She says, my 17-month-old isn't really saying five words yet, but he does say a few. But his problem-solving skills are very advanced, um, and this is what his paediatrician has said. I've asked for a speech therapy referral, but she won't give one because she said he will talk when he's ready. I'm afraid we're waiting too long if he does have a speech delay. What would you suggest? I, in this case, would agree with your paediatrician. At 17 months, if he doesn't have five words, that's fine. More the question is, when would you worry? And I would be probably edging a little bit more towards a two-year-old. So it's really reasonable that a 17-month-old has lots of babble. So you should have lots of half words, sounds, walking, playing on his own and babbling to himself. And a couple of words that you really understand. He might have mum, dad, up and more might be his four, four words. So if you have that then I think you're doing okay. Um, if he only had that much language at two, I'd definitely be doing something about it. There's a huge difference, isn't oh, there? Oh, huge, yeah. Months. I mean, I, I don't mean that facetiously. Yeah, but, but there is a huge difference yeah. between them. The other thing to encourage his words, though, is I would use books with one picture and one word. So lots of those books that might be colours and shapes and it might have flower and the word flower. Now, this has to do with the way we read to them. So we're sitting there with our book and we say flower, boat, ball, cat, dog. And then we read that to him a few times and then we need to interject some with saying, what's that? And when he says something like our, you go, no, that's the flower. 
And so you're just teaching him single words clearly. When he gets up from the high chair, put your hands out and say, up, do you need to get up? And he'll hear those words more clearly. So at the moment, I'd be with the paediatrician. I wouldn't worry too much about it. But it's something that you can encourage him to do through reading and reading single words and single single pictures. Um, and also when you're in the car, there's the bus, where's the plane, all of those exaggerated words will help him bring on his language and some sociability. So is he playing with other children who might be just a little bit older than him to give him that clarity in speech? Hopefully all those things will come together and he'll be chatting away be, before you know it. And then you'll think, oh, oh love how can we keep him quiet? <laughs> um, thanks for that question, Janie. And thank you to everyone who wrote to us and asked questions. Unfortunately, that's all we have time for today. As always, if you have any doubts or further questions, we recommend that you refer to safety guidelines and SIDS recommendations or speak to your general practitioner. Chris, thank you so much for joining oh, us. Always a pleasure. And please, if you, you still want Chris to answer your questions, you can email us at conversation at kindling.com.au or text our hotline on 0437 665 200. You've been listening to a Kindling Conversation podcast. We'd like to reach as many parents as possible and you can help us by giving us a review wherever you downloaded this episode. It means that more people can find us. I'm Siobhan Hunt. See you next time.